done. I'm actually just getting started. Let's get it started. I think I just scratched myself. Good. What? <laughs> Everyone. Welcome back to the Slither Claw Review. I'm Madison. And I'm Dea. And this week we are going to be finishing the Chamber of Secrets as a whole with the movie comparison. Yay! Before we do that, I do have a callback to our last episode. Remember when we were talking about like Haggard keeping werewolf cubs under his bed and whether they're humans? Oh, whether they're children? Yeah. Yeah, okay. I looked it up because I needed to know. Okay. So here's what I found, the official Wizarding World website. Um, there is no one, like, original werewolf. Uh-huh. Um, however, when two werewolves mate in wolf form, like, under the full, full moon, uh-huh. they do give birth to full werewolf cubs that are always werewolf cubs. Interesting. Yeah, they look and act, like, exactly like normal werewolves, but they do have slightly higher intelligence. And it's only happened twice in history, like, ever. And one of those times, the werewolf cubs were allowed to be moved into the Forbidden Forest by Dumbledore Mm -hmm. and live there for the rest of their lives. So that's what started the rumors of there's werewolves in the forest. Okay, so he wasn't keeping human children under his bed. No, as funny as that would have been. No. Also, do we... Was the original werewolf created from a spell like why do, where well, there did, wasn't an original werewolf. yeah but how did werewolves start listen it didn't say anything on that so all right well i want you to research a, that next because i oh, want to know now. i read the entire page there's nothing on that okay well then i guess this was good enough <laughs> thank you for that i was very informative <laughs> yeah you're welcome would you like to do our spell of the episode okay so the spell of the episode is veriverto It is a transfiguration spell that is used to transform animals into water goblets. The etymology of this word is that in Latin, vera means true and verto means I turn. And this spell is used in the Chamber of Secrets movie. Um, Minerva McGonagall teaches this to the second year students and Ron, in his attempt to do this spell, makes a goblet, but it still has the tail of a rat. And this spell is performed by tapping the targeted animal three times and with the wand before pointing and reciting the incantation veriverto. I feel like sometimes the spells that they come up with, they're just reaching. They're like, yeah, that's Latin. That works. Like, what does I turn true have anything to do with that's... animal to goblet? They were like, you know what be really cool? Latin in Harry Potter, the spells are Latin. And then they were like, that's enough. Yeah, they grabbed some <laughs> random intern. Just make a list of every Latin word you can find and then we'll throw them together. Yeah, and then we'll mash them and we'll make, make spells. All right, well, our character of the episode is Mr. Colin Creedy. Um, Colin Creedy is a muggle-born wizard and avid photographer, a member of Dumbledore's army, and Harry Potter's biggest fan. In Chamber of Secrets, he is petrified by Slytherin's basilisk, but survives, having only seen the beast through his camera lens. Despite being underage, Colin fights in the Battle of Hogwarts as a six-year student and is tragically killed. I completely forgot that Colin died. I also completely forgot that he died. So that was a lot sadder than I intended yeah. to be. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that completely escaped my mind. Oof, we'll get there, though. Oof, rough start. All right. Anyways, right into the movie comparison. Right into the movie. I don't actually have many notes, at least in the beginning part. My first note is literally that the CGI for Dobby looks so good for early yeah. 2000s. Like, mm-hmm. little me thought he, I was like, he has to be real. There's no way. It's <laughs> too perfect. House are real. What about it? No, my first big note for the beginning of the movie is that Dobby drops the dessert on Mrs. Mason's head yeah. rather than just on the kitchen floor like he does 
in the book. And I think that that's just to make it funnier. I yeah. guess or more dramatic. Um, and Harry, at this point, should have just run away. There's yes. really no point. Honestly. And even before this, Dobby was like, just so you won't go back to Hogwarts and I won't do it. Why couldn't he have just been like, okay, I won't go? How is Dobby going to know he's lying? Like, yeah. realistically, so much could have been done to avoid the reprimand he got. So true. But he didn't really get a reprimand because he didn't get the uh, letter. No, he didn't get the letter from Mafalda Hopkirk about using magic outside of school, which also doesn't expose the fact that he can't use magic to the Dursleys yet. Yeah, which I think is a missed opportunity because that was such, like, an extra isolating thing for him now Mm -hmm. that his, like, one defense was gone because now they knew. Now they're back to messing with him. I know, and he's in his room, and I did notice his room has, like, little, like, Gryffindor flags and Gryffindor posters and stuff, which I think is so cute. It just made me think, like, they have a little merch store at Hogwarts where students can just go in and buy house merch. Yeah, little little bookstore on campus. They're like, here, get some merch. Get some Slytherin sweatpants. That would be really sick, actually. <laughs> now you're, like, adding it to your list, like, Slytherin sweatpants. Christmas list. <laughs> But, yes, and then when the Weasleys show up, his trunk is not locked downstairs. It's just, like, in his room, and he packs it really quick. Mm-hmm. There's also not a cat flap for the food, which I totally understand why they chose not to include that, because yeah. it was really dehumanizing. Very excessive, yeah. Um, but I think that the fact that in the book, he doesn't have access to all of his stuff, he's fed through a cat flap, he literally has no human interaction, and he doesn't have any contact with his, like, Her- Hogwarts stuff. It's very isolating and more depressing than it is in the movie. Yeah, I agree. But it makes sense why they would remove some of that stuff, because at this point, they are still children's movies. It's very aggressive. Once we go, they get a little darker, but this one's still very much for kids. Mm-hmm. So, And then Uncle Vernon does not fall out of the window in the books, but I think that was a choice that was actually very funny, and I'm glad they added a it. A very smart, stylistic choice. I think it was very necessary for the plot to yeah. see him just hang out the window. I very much enjoyed that scene. Mm-hmm. And then the burrow, this is the first time we're seeing it. It looks so homey. Like, it looks beautiful. I love it so much. Mm-hmm. We don't get a denoming scene. Which... No, I would have liked the denoming, but I understand why they didn't include yeah, it. Yeah, it wasn't really necessary, but I think it would have been funny to see Yeah, I think it would have been really funny. Around. But then again, they really do cram all of his time that he's supposed to spend at the Weasleys into such a short scene, because he's supposed to be there for like a month. Yeah. But he arrives... They're eating breakfast, they, they get Weasley. the letters, yeah. then they're like, oh, we should go to Diagon Alley, and it's kind of like everything's just kind of crammed together in this point. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then I did make a note that when the twins arrive and they show, like, the Weasley clock, mm-hmm. and it shows you, like, the different places, prison is one, which I just think is funny in and of itself. Well, it's valid for Fred and George. I feel like, You're it's, so- I feel like it's a necessary concern for those two, especially when they start doing the wizard wheezes, and, like, yeah. you, you gotta keep an eye out. They're You're- gonna end up there. You're so right. That wasn't even there before they added it when the twins were born. Yeah. But another one that just caught my eye is the fact that it says dentist on there. Uh Uh-huh. But when Hermione tells literally every wizard she meets that her parents are dentists, no one ever knows what that is. So why would the Weasleys have dentists on their clock if it's kind of established that wizards don't know what dentists are? That's weird to me. Yeah. I wonder, honestly, if it was maybe an oversight on the props department because they, you're right, they have, like, conversations about what is a dentist and they're when she says, oh, my parents are dentists, and they're like, okay, and? So maybe it was an oversight on the props department. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because I have, so in my book, there is, like, a section on the family clock. Oh. Um, and the clock does have nine golden hands, and it says that the possible locations include home, school, work, traveling, lost, hospital, prison, or, quote-unquote, mortal peril. Right. <laughs> so... 
I don't know. It doesn't say anything about a dentist, so maybe that was something that they did in the movie. Yeah, that makes sense then. If that's if it wasn't in the books at all, then yeah, that's definitely just something. Yeah. They were like, quick, where else do people go to a lot? Yeah. <laughs> the dentist. <laughs> the dentist, yeah. And then also, I need to ask, when Arthur Weasley comes in, Yes. I swear to God, in my mind, I remember a scene where he like looks around and he's like, one, two, three, four, this one's not one of ours, is it? Or like something like that? Okay. I also had this thought. Oh, thank God. But my thought, I thought that he, like, looked at him and he says, like, you're not mine. Or something like that. I thought that that was there. Yeah. Where is that from? I literally cannot tell you. Because, like, I was looking up deleted scenes and, like, I'll make a comment later about one specifically. But, like, I don't know. I didn't find anything about this one. Maybe I just didn't look hard enough. But, like, I swear that's a thing. (laughs) Maybe it's in the extended cut or something. But, like, I... Or in a different... Is it... I thought it was in this, this book. Does he say it in the book? Oh, Is that what we're thinking of? I have No, but I distinctly remember seeing it. Like, a visual. We're gonna have to look this up as well. I don't know. I'm glad you also remember that, though, because I I was like, am I going crazy? I was waiting for it, too, when we were watching the movie. I was kind of waiting for that line, because in my head, I'm like, oh, it's so funny. I'm like, wait, it's not there. Yeah, okay, cool. That makes me... We're just making it. (laughs) We're going absolutely batched and say we just combined all the movies. But, like, it wouldn't make sense for that scene to be in any other movie. Because after this point, he knows, Harry, he knows right? who Harry is. Yeah. yeah. That's so true. Also, just a quick question before we move on for the, from the burrow. When Ginny comes down and she's like, have you seen my jumper? And Molly's like, oh, it's on the cat. <laughs> okay, why is it on the cat? I've, okay, my questions are, A, why is it on the cat? Uh-huh. B, how did it get on the cat? And C, how large is the cat for it to be wearing said jumper? <laughs> Alright, I'm gonna give you my three possible answers. Okay. Uh, number one, why is it on the cat? Shits and gigs. Who put okay. it on the cat? Fred and George. Valid. How big is this cat? He's a chunkamonk. Very large cat. Alright, okay. With how much food Molly cooks, I feel like all the kids be also giving valid. the cat scraps and he just be nomming that up. Mm-hmm. Very chunky cat. Ginny's also 11, so she's also very little. So I feel like that... still a large thing for a cat okay. to be wearing. Look how large the cat. Okay, um, C, point A. Shits and gigs. <laughs> I'm gonna... Baby Fred and George, like, shrunk it down a little bit. Okay, yes, that's true. That's a thing. Okay. I'm glad we figured that we'll out. We'll go with that. <laughs> um, on to them leaving the burrow in the flu powder scene. I think it's funny that they all have, like, coats with their house crest on it. Because, mm-hmm. like, that's just a normal coat. Like, that's not their robes or anything. That's just a normal coat with it. And, and Draco's they, also wearing it exactly. when they see him. Exactly. So it's a thing. And they never wear them again. Like, it's just in this movie. They were feeling quirky this day. <laughs> yeah, I yeah, see yeah, that. Like, to be honest, though, they're kind of cute. I would buy one. <laughs> no, I would, too. They're cute. I like it. All the, the black with just the crest yeah, is right? cute. I liked it. Yeah. And then Harry gets all dirty. Everyone gets all dirty from the soot. And he, like, in the book, it makes sense that he mispronounces diagonally because of that. But in the movie, he's just an idiot. Diagonally. <laughs> so it's like, I thought that was, like... Interesting choice, yeah. Makes him seem like more of an idiot, but, like... Also because they use flu powder at other points in the movies, and they don't ever come out looking all decrepit and dirty like <laughs> why do they look a like choice of words why do they look like they rolled around in the dirt and been beaten with a bat like i don't understand no, why they're so right. dirty in this i movie. feel like that's probably just to like push the narrative that the weasleys are poor especially later on when they see lucius and he's all clean and proper and stuff i feel like maybe that was part of the reason yeah that makes sense Speaking of the Malfoys brings us to the fact that when he comes out of the other side, obviously he doesn't end out of the correct chimney or fireplace, and he's in Borgen and Burke's. 
But there's no scene with Draco and Lucius, which I'm guessing is just the version that we watched. Yeah, because there is a scene. This is the deleted scene I was talking okay, about. There is a scene in this one, and it was deleted, um, where they walk in and Lucius, like, puts his cane on Draco's shoulder, which they moved into the scene that's actually in the movie. But there is a deleted scene in okay, this one. Okay, okay. Because I was having a crisis. Like, <laughs> dude, I have, I've seen the scene, and I'm not creative enough. I'm not creative enough to come up with that in my head. I had to have watched it somewhere. Yes. So I don't know if, like, the DVDs that we used to have were the extended version. I don't know where I, I saw it. I can tell you, you saw it on the 20th anniversary special. They showed it when we watched that. That's probably where you saw it. Okay. Is that the only time? I mean, I don't know, but that's, like, the closest time that I can... Like, because we watched that, what, like, a couple months ago? So it's, like, I assume that's the closest time to now that you've seen it. Okay, I guess, yeah. What kind of sucks, you know, just give us the extended version. I know, I don't want the chopped out bits. This movie's already so fucking long. It's, like, two and a half hours Yeah, like, give it an extra 20 minutes. At this point, it's not gonna make a difference. Yeah. If you, you, like, you could tell me the next Harry Potter movie is seven hours long, and I'll be like, okay, I'll wear a diaper, I don't care. (laughs) I'll be ready. <laughs> Too far. Too far. Okay, anyways, moving on. Um, Jason Isaac, speaking, while we're talking, speaking of Lucius and um, Draco, he made Lucius so much meaner and, like, evil. Like, he said that he did that on purpose in order to gain sympathy for Draco. Scary. Which I think worked. Mm-hmm. Like, by God, did it work. Like, I legitimately feel so bad for him anytime Lucius is on mm-hmm. screen. Like, he's a dick. And he made that role. That is his role. No, they, nobody they, else could have played him. He, that was spot on perfect casting. Like yep. he's definitely up there along with mm-hmm. Dane Maggie Smith as McGonagall. Like that was spot on. Yep. Also, quick note: if you remember the last episode, we discussed about what we thought was the pronunciation of his name. Right. In the movie, we did pay attention to it, and his name is Lucius, as he says it, not Lucius or Lucius, like we were trying to discuss. Lucius. Right. And I am aware that the council has made a decision. Given that it's a stupid-ass decision, I have <laughs> elected to ignore it, because Lucius just sounds better to me. So I, I will continue to say Lucius. I do like the Lucius pronunciation. Right? Lucia, Lucius. <laughs> yeah, it's just, I don't know. I just, I like Lucius. It rolls off the tongue a little easier. Yeah, I, I can get behind that. But then, you know, Haggard saves him and they go. Hermione does not fix his glasses in the book. It's Arthur Weasley who does, so okay. that's a small change. Um... And Gilderoy doesn't announce that he's the data professor at Flourish and Blots, another small change. And Harry doesn't give Ginny his books, which is another change, but this one legitimately bothers me, because I really like that scene. I also do, and I don't think that it would have added any time, because instead of him passing them to Molly and her being like, oh, I'll get these signed for you, he literally just had to turn, give them to Ginny, and be like, here, you take them. And we could have still had it because I think that the scene is really cute in the book and it yeah. kind of adds a little bit to their relationship, which yeah. obviously isn't a relationship yet, but like they interact. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that one was a missed opportunity. And then after that, we see um, Draco on the stairs and he rips a piece of paper out of a book and then puts it in his pocket. It's a little menace. <laughs> right. Well, there's actually a headcanon about this. That it's a movie headcanon only, because obviously that's not in the book, so it doesn't apply book-wise. But okay. in the, there's a movie headcanon that the page that he rips out is the page on Basilisk that Hermione has later, because logistically, at Hermione's character, there's no way she would ever rip apart a book, let alone a library book from Hogwarts that she was looking at. Like, she just wouldn't do that. It's out of character for her. Uh-huh. So 
in the movie head canon is that Draco, that page that he rips out and puts in his pocket, is the one on the basilisk. And obviously he wouldn't directly give it to Hermione, but maybe drop it in the library for someone to find, maybe not specifically Hermione, etc. But there is that headcanon, which again, doesn't make sense in the books, but for the movies, I think it's a cute one. I like it. It gives him a little bit more of that redemption arc that people really like to see in him. So mm-hmm. just a little fun fact for you that that's, that's okay. a popular headcanon out there. I like the movie headcanon. Yeah, like you said, it doesn't work in the book just based on their characters and whatnot, but I like it in the movie. Yeah. I think it's a cool little like, oh, did he? Because there's no answer, obviously, exactly. Like, but they could, they definitely... Could have suggested it. Yeah. Especially because they, they make a point to show you him on the stairs looking at the book, ripping it out, and then putting it in his pocket before it pans down to the group. Mm-hmm. So it's like, like they made a point to show us that, so... They were like, here's Draco hating books. <laughs> <laughs> he hates reading. <laughs> but, yes. And then this is where we get Lucius actually coming in, because we lost that deleted scene. Um... He, there is no physical fight with Arthur, of course. A just, missed opportunity. Honestly. Would have been great to see them tussle right in the middle <laughs> of the bookstore. I, I imagine just Ron standing there with, like, the wide eyes, and then Fred and George going, yeah, get him, Dad, get him, get him, get him. <laughs> and Ginny's like, ha, ha, I agree. Speaking of Ginny, that little book drop that Lucius does mm-hmm. is so slick. Ooh, yes. Like, that looked good. Mm-hmm. Especially because if... As a like someone watching the movie, the first time around you wouldn't really probably wouldn't notice it because you're like, oh, he's just putting the book back. But when you rewatch it, you can see the journal behind the original book, yeah. and you're like, that, like m- movie stylistically, whatever you want to call it, like it just worked really well. I thought it was a cool little like, oh, there it is. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree. And then after that, we kind of skip some more a little bit. Now we're just at platform nine and three quarters. Everyone goes in. Ron and Harry last, and of course they hit the wall, which is actually so embarrassing. <laughs> like seeing that happen, Sprawl I was like mm. everywhere, Hedwig freaking out, and then the guy with the train guy turning and being like, "What's wrong with you?" Yeah, what's wrong with you? He's messing around. I would be so embarrassed. Like, don't no, surprise. Like, I'm like, so sorry. sorry. Please don't look at me. Yep. And then them figuring out to use the car is just so much quicker. They're just yeah. like, "Oh, should we wait by the car? The car," and then they're in the air. Like, and then they're flying, and he's like, "Uh, muggles aren't accustomed to flying cars." He's like, "Oh, invisibility." Yep. Not until, like, after people already see them, though. So exactly. They were kind of dumb on that point. Yeah, and then the car ride itself goes really smoothly in the books. They have, like, no issues, but in the movie, obviously, the invisibility thing breaks. Harry's fallen out of the side of the car. Which he could have avoided, right? If you just, you know, click, click, seatbelt, you know? And also, Ron didn't need to do the barrel rolls. It was unnecessary. <laughs> But if Harry just put his damn seatbelt on, it would have been fine. I know, especially because he was raised with muggles. He knows what a seatbelt is for. Yeah, exactly. If Ron didn't have it, okay, fine. But Harry? Come on, bro. Harry should have known. I also really like when they take the car like down by the tracks, and they're like, oh, well, we just have to find the train. And then they hear it coming up behind them, and they all just like slowly turn, including Hedwig. Yeah. And Hedwig's <laughs> eyes just like blow up. Yes, so I love funny. that scene. It's, actually, it's, it's hilarious. Um, and then when they reach Hogwarts, Filch finds them instead of Snape, which is a rip, because I love that scene where he's like, or maybe he's, he's right, right behind, behind you. you. <laughs> yeah. And they get off pretty easily, of course. They don't get the sandwich scene or any of that, which I understand. That wasn't really necessary. I mean, it was a cute scene in the books, but it wasn't mm-hmm. really necessary for the movie. Um, and we don't get as many Colin and, like, Gilderoy scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, like, there's a couple times where Colin comes up asking for pictures, autographs, etc., and then Gilderoy somehow ends up there, and he's like, oh, Harry, trying to teach him about fame. Mm-hmm. So we don't, we don't really get that 
at all really Mm -hmm. um which i think really takes away from the fact that colin gets petrified later because we are not as attached or as what is the word like noticeable like we're not as emotionally invested in him yeah exactly so when he gets petrified later you're like oh okay it was that annoying kid but like when you actually see the way he interacts and how he really does just look up to harry Mm -hmm. and that's when it really hits you like oh my god that is an 11 year old like Mm -hmm. so it's like i think that was a miss i think it also takes away from the argument that harry could have been behind the attacks because the people who are being attacked have all interacted with harry in, like, a negative light, yeah. or, like, have been associated with interacting with Harry in a negative light, and that's why people are like, oh, he's the heir of Slytherin, he's doing this. So in Colin's case, when he popped up petrified, because he was the second attack, they were like, oh, he was second, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. Um, they were like, oh, he was, the, that's the kid that was annoying Harry, he probably got tired of him, he petrified him. So yeah. I think it takes away from the development of Harry possibly being the one who's doing it. Obviously, in the eyes of the students, we know he's not doing it, but they don't. Yeah. So... Yeah, I fully agree with that. And we also, like, skip right to the Mandrake scene. They add Slytherins to this scene just for more familiar faces because they're not supposed to be in that class. Um, And then something else that gets cut from the movie basically almost entirely is the Percy girlfriend side plot. Yes. Like, that's literally not in it. The only thing that I could find that could maybe hint at it is the scene where Percy and a girl are walking down the corridor and nearly had the snakes come, comes by and he's like, hello, Mr. Weasley. Hello, Miss Clearwater, which is Penelope, of course. But that's it. Like, mm-hmm. that's the only mention we get of her ever. So it's like, that's another plot that was just completely cut out. Yeah. Which, like, I get if they didn't want to spend the time to develop it. It's not super key to the overall plot of the book. Yeah. But... I mean, it's something. I feel like that helps develop Percy's character, at least, but... It definitely took away from Percy's character. Yeah, yeah. I agree. Um, and then, you know, we get the Howler scene, which I like the movie lines more than mm-hmm. the books. They're, like, more iconic to say. Yeah. And then something else that I noticed in this scene is that Ron's robe, or robes are, like, purposefully grayer. Like, you can physically see that yeah. to show that his are worn down, hand-me-downs, etc. So I think that was a really good choice from the costuming department. No, I like that. I think that that's cool because they always talk about how poor they are, but then they have the same stuff. So I like that they put that detail in. Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the Gilderoy pixie scene isn't that different either. I do like that they added Neville hanging from the chandelier. Poor Neville. Yeah, poor him, He's but got it the is worst. Funny. <laughs> you know, it is objectively very funny. Not for him, kind of sucks, yeah. but you know. Um, and then after that, we kind of just jump to the Quidditch practice scene, and then this, I've said it before, I'm going to say it again, I hate that Hermione is the one to explain what a mudblood is. Mm-hmm. I think it really, A, it doesn't make sense for her to know this right now, it's only her second year, there's no way that that's just something that's freely being spoken and written about, yeah. and also, more than that, it takes away from Ron's character. Ron mm-hmm. is the only pure blood like, person in this friend group who grew up in wizarding society who has this knowledge that Harry and Hermione don't. So Ron explaining this and them taking that away and giving it to Hermione just really is not, it's not a benefit for his character. It just brings him down. And they do that a lot throughout the movies. They Mm -hmm. take Ron's really good lines and they give them to other people, which is just really annoying because Ron is such a good friend to Harry. He's such a good character. And it's just, I don't like that they do that to him in the movies. They do him dirty. I, yeah, I don't know why they do that. It's like they take away from his character development that he earns mm-hmm. in the books, which is just unfair to that character because he is one of 
the main characters. Although it's Harry's Harry Potter, Harry Potter this, Harry Potter that. But Hermione and Ron are like a really close second for that main character spot. Yeah. And so when they take away from him and they elevate Harry and Hermione, it's just like, why? They already have so much that they contribute to the trio. Why take away from him? Yeah. I 100% agree. And then we get more time has passed on. We skip the death day party entirely. Um, Mm -hmm. He doesn't hear the snake coming back from that. It's after his detention that it happens. Um, And everyone just pulls up. Um, And then Filch blames Harry in the movies for no reason. Because another thing that we miss is in the books, he blames him because he knows that he's a squib. We don't get that scene in the movie, so he's just blaming Harry just to blame Harry. Yeah, just because Harry was standing there in the middle of the scene like a dumbass. Like not guilty. (laughs) Yeah, he's like, oh my god, the cat, the blood on the wall, whoa, just standing there. Which I think also goes back to what I said about um, not getting the relationship built with Colin. In this way, they also did not develop why Harry could have been thought to have a motive to petrify Mrs. Norris because why attack the cat? But in the book, we know that they had an interaction and he knows that, he supposedly knows that Filch is a squib and Filch is like, oh my god, that's why he did it. But in this case, that didn't happen. So it's just supposed to be, oh, Harry was here, so he must have done it. Yeah, exactly. And then one of the biggest changes from book to movie, I think, is when they discuss the Chamber of Secrets, it's McGonagall who explains it, not Professor Binns. Yeah. Which, this is a change that I can actually understand, because Professor Binns is supposed to be a ghost, so all that CGI and all that stuff, like, that's, I'm pretty sure that's why Binns was never in these movies once, because that's... They did all... some ghosts, though. They did Nick, and they did Moaning Myrtle, so what was that's one more ghost? such a good point, actually. Yeah, they have other ghosts, so they just chose not to put Binns in there. Yeah, that's true. That's a good point. But McGonagall is the one who explains it, but again, I get it. She's, like, a well-known face. Mm-hmm. You know, people trust her, and they ask her, like, will you tell us? And she's like... Okay, if you insist. She gave it up real easy. She did not even argue once. She loves the tea. She wants to share. My note from when she's explaining this is that, if you didn't notice, the two houses that were founded by men are the ones with the beef and the problems. You're and so then right. Helga and Rowena are just unproblematic queens over here, here. Like, oh my god, the boys are fighting. They're sipping their elf wine. Like, you guys got it. <laughs> you guys take care of this. And they're drinking fire whiskey. You're so... I love that. You're so right. Mm-hmm. It really is the males who are the problem. Yeah. And then another thing that I kind of just thought of, they're talking about, like, oh, like, is Harry the heir of Slytherin, I think, who could be the heir of Slytherin, blah, blah, blah. Hypothetically, could they not have just found a wizarding family tree and then just worked their way up until they found Slytherin and figured out who it might have been? Valid. Valid, right? Um, if they're all purebloods, right? Or there's a lot of purebloods. They're all related, exactly. right? They're all related. So even if they traced it back, how do you know who's the heir? Well, heir dis- di- like would di- mean like a direct descendant. Like there's a direct line down, and like the sacred twenty eight exists. And so, in order to make that list, they had to trace back wizarding families to the beginning to make sure there was no muggle mixed in at any point. So there has to be a giant tree somewhere. Like how else would they have made that sacred twenty eight list? That's so I'm true. like, I feel like if they just find Salazar Slytherin, work your way directly down. Mm-hmm. Oh, Harry's. Three inches to the right can't be him. Three inches. Draco's two inches to the right. That's a little closer. Still can't be him. This Tom Riddle guy is directly under him. Hmm. Let's look him up. Like, you know, I feel like that would have been a way to figure it out. Okay, yeah. But anyways, 
Um, the book that Hermione finds the potion in is not in the restricted section. She just grabs it off the shelf. It's just sitting there. It's literally called Most Potent Potions, and they were like, nah, we'll just put it in the library. Yeah, so it's so like, that it takes, difference. Yeah, it takes away the whole need for them to be like, hey, we want to write an essay or do more research on your book. Can we have a letter? Like, how they trick Lockhart. Exactly. It takes away that whole need, which I get, you know, for time. It's not super necessary. And then we skip to the Quidditch scene, which is... A little different, like a couple things. Um, my first note, though, which I feel is the most important one, uh-huh. is that Scarhead is possibly the funniest <laughs> insult that Draco could have possibly thrown at Harry. That is just so hilarious. I personally like the jokes when he calls him an orphan. <laughs> I, think those, I think those are That's great. morbid, but okay. <laughs> yeah. He's like, mm, what's a great joke? Mm, let's make fun of his dead parents. You That's have a good no one. No parents. No, you have no parents, yeah. My note for the game, pretty much, is that they add that whole chase scene with Draco and Harry, Mm -hmm. which isn't in the book. And I get it, like, you're adding Quidditch. It's a lot of work on CGI. Why not make it interesting? Yeah, also builds up the rivalry a little bit more. Yeah, it does. And, of course, Draco ends up getting knocked off his broom in the movie, which is not in the book. And then after Harry manages to catch the snitch and he lands, he doesn't pass out, and the bludger keeps trying to hit him in the sand and just Yep. Exactly. Yeah, that's basically exactly what I had. I also had a note that Hagrid notices that the bludger is chasing Harry. He's like, that thing's been bewitched. Okay, tell someone? You're telling me no other teacher noticed this? And Hagrid was like, damn, Harry, that bludger's chasing Harry. Sucks. Anyway, like, what? Like, that yeah, was just kind of dumb Hooch to me. Madame Hooch didn't notice when she was refereeing. I, exactly. I'm like, that's just so stupid. And also, of course, Hermione's not the one who helps... Harry with the bludger, Fred and George's, but even when she does, she does finite incantatum, and it, like, blows up the bludger into sparkly dust. That's not what that spell does, but for sure. sure. Everything, for, in the movies, every spell makes things blow up. Yeah. It blows pe- things up, it blows people up, every single time. They were just like, oh yeah, sure. That works. That works. Yep. And then we, um, go to Harry in the hospital wing, and we get a Dobby jump scare. He just appears on the screen. <laughs> And that scene is basically similar. I didn't have really any notes nope, on that. Pretty much the same. You know, they bring in Colin's body with his camera, and they're like, oh, we can't see anything. And they're like, moving on. <laughs> yep. And then, you know, the, they're making the potion in the bathroom, and we finally see Moaning Myrtle, um, who was played by a 37-year-old. Blows which is insane. my mind. Blows my mind. <laughs> yes, I absolutely, like, that was just crazy to me. Um, and then, you know, the dueling club scene is, for the most part, not that bad. Nope, they just kind of, they don't break off into pairs, and then they do switch up the spells a little bit for the movie, which, if you're combining, like, the pair scene and then the big scene where Harry and Draco are facing off, like, I get why you might want to switch around. Yeah. And then, of course, we have how they depict the spells is not actually what those spells do, but, you know, that's kind of an issue in the movies. Yeah. It is kind of funny, though, like, Harry and Malfoy do, like, five flips. I was like, it's kind of sick. Yeah, that's, yeah. Um, and then, this is another thing that I had when, again, of everyone being like, oh, Harry's the heir of Slytherin. Isn't technically, kind of, like, he's just, like, maybe not the heir, because it's not a direct line, but isn't he related to Salazar Slytherin? Because he's descendant from one of the Peverell brothers. Okay. And Tom Riddle is descendant from another Peverell brother. And Tom Riddle is also the heir of Slytherin. So that means that the Peverell brothers are descendants of Slytherin. So Harry is, again, three inches to the right. Like, Did the Peverell brothers come before Salazar, though? Came after? Or, no, sorry. The Peverell brothers came before Salazar, correct? Oh, good question. Because then, technically, 
Salazar could be under the line of one of the brothers. Um, so if he's under the line of one of the brothers, then it wouldn't be related. That's but I true. guess it depends. Yeah, because I don't, I don't know how far away. Because I know, like, the founders are, like, BC, like, <laughs> yeah, long ago. I feel like but the brothers have to be before that, though, because of the tale, the create, the creation of the wand and the invisibility cloak. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, okay, never mind then. That's. But if you want, you can put that on your homework, and you can tell us in the next episode. That's so true. I'm gonna. <laughs> I am going to. I'm just gonna keep giving you assignments. All the things that I've ever wondered, <laughs> we're gonna assign them to you. Right, because you have no idea how Google works. <laughs> No, it's really, it. really new technology, and I'm dumb, so personally, I guess. Yes, because of course, that's why you're in Ravenclaw. <laughs> yeah, I just can't crack him with it. <laughs> um, but Harry gets taken up to Dumbledore's office. McGonagall does that little hand thing. Don't know why. I don't think that was necessary. Dramatic effect, I guess. Yeah. Adds a little flair, you know? She's like, oh, there you go. Lemon drop. Or sherbet lemon. Sherbet lemon. <laughs> yeah. You're right. Lemon drop is Order of the Phoenix. I guess he just really likes lemons. Yeah, it's his like, favorite type of candy, I guess, favorite flavor. Yeah. But he gets in, sees the sorting hat, which he doesn't put on, he just talks to it. Mm-hmm. And then he sees Fox, which, a little fun fact about this, is that Fox was an animatronic bird that they made for this movie. Yeah. And Richard Harris, who plays Dumbledore in this movie, when he first came onto set, he... Like, he thought the animatronic bird looked so realistic. Like, he legitimately thought it was a real bird. Like, he would stand around set, pet it, talk to it, thinking it was a real, alive bird. And people had to be like, hey, um, that bird is fake. I want to know who crushed his dreams. <laughs> Let him believe it's real, okay? So what, it's not? He's old. Let him have a friend that's a bird. <laughs> Let him go on to his friends and his grandkids and I be can't like, even blame him either, because Fox looks so I'd I'd fall for it. Yeah. I'd believe it was a real bird. Yeah. I also really like when Fox like bursts into flames you, and then Harry's just in there like, Oh my god, Professor, I try so your sorry. bird your bird. He just like bursts into flames and Dumbledore goes, like, about time and Harry's like, What? He's <laughs> like, so You were hoping your bird was gonna die? Yeah. And then even when Dumbledore's explaining to Harry like about the phoenixes, he's like, Yeah, they can carry heavy loads and their tears have healing powers, which is a nice little hint mm-hmm. for what Fox um will do later. Yeah. And then another, like, thing I noticed was when Hagrid, like, burst in to, like, defend Harry and be like, he didn't do it. First of all, this scene's kind of redundant because they cut out the scene of Harry running into Hagrid five minutes beforehand. Yeah. Because, like, the whole reason he burst in is to be like, I was just with him. There's no way he had time. So the scene's kind of redundant in general. But when he runs in, he's carrying a dead rooster, which is a nice little nod considering that we also didn't get the scene where we find out that the roosters were killed earlier. So that's a nice little nod to it. Yeah, especially because we don't get the excerpt completely. So we don't find out in the movie that the crow of the oh, rooster is what kills them. Oh, well. I don't think they don't read the whole page. Oh. They say, oh, the basilisk, and then they say this and that, and they kind of show the page, but they don't go into the rooster thing. Okay, that makes sense. Yeah. That makes sense. So yeah, a nice little nod to the detail from the book without spending time on it, because yeah. it really wasn't necessary. It's more funny than anything that they yeah. had to kill the roosters, so. And then I did, there was a small scene there, you know, because now it's like Christmas time and stuff, of yeah. all the students taking sleds to go to Hogsmeade, which is adorable. I want Christmas at Hogwarts so I would give bad. my left leg to so Christmas bad. at Hogwarts. It's so homey, uh, so cute. I love it so much. Yeah, all of the Christmas trees lined in Great Hall, the feast, the little pop-it toys, you like pull the string yes. and like a toy comes out. So cool. I agree. It's super cute. Mm-hmm. But now it's finally time for the poly juice potion, which this is probably the change that bothers me the most. Oh yeah. Um, I already know what it is. Yeah. But before we get to that, 
Why did they all just break the glasses as soon as they take the potion? <laughs> okay, I can I can understand Ron because I'm pretty sure he goes first. He's the first one to be like, huh, and then drops it and runs. Hermione, a little less understanding because she watched him break it and then like shortly thereafter broke it. Harry, no respect. <laughs> no respect because he watched both of them drop their glasses, watched them go to the bathroom. He stood there for a second. Opened his hand, dropped it, and then he went to the bathroom. Mel was like, he didn't want to be left out. He's like, I'm going to break my glass, too. Yeah, that was excessive. Also, random fun fact, um, all the potions in the movie were actually soup. That's why they look so disgusting. And chunky. Yeah. Yeah. So gross. When she's literally pouring it into the glass, that would have been my 13th (laughs) reason. I cannot. It's like a blue, chunky slimy liquid and they were like okay cool sprinkle some hair in it like the final touch it was in fact soup but um the change that bothers me the most is the whole we still sound like ourselves well you shouldn't (laughs) no in the book it clearly states that they sound like crab and goil it the book makes a point of saying that and then in the movie they're like oh we sound different or we sound the same i'm like what (laughs) yeah that doesn't make any sense to me because not like that's also just more work for the filmmakers. Because, mm-hmm. like, now they have, like, the Crab and Goyle actors have to mouth the lines, and then they have to edit Rupert and Daniel's voices over it. Like, it's just more work for them. It's not true to the books whatsoever. It's just, I don't see why that was a necessary change. It undermines their plan, and the only reason that I can even give it some credit is that this book is, or this book, this movie is meant for children. So if children are watching it, it would be easier for them to associate maybe the voices of Harry and Ron and, like, know that they are actually Crab and Goyle right now. Yeah, that's a good point. But I don't think it's that necessary because we, like, we see them change, so. Yeah, that's very true. But, you know, they meet up with Malfoy and Tom Felton actually improvised the, I didn't know you could read line because he forgot his actual line. One of my favorite lines. Yeah, so I think that's iconic of him. Yeah. And then we skip the Valentine's Day feast and the Valentine's Day scenes, like, entirely. Uh-huh. Which I think was a miss. Funny, if anything. I mean, yes. Funny, if anything. But it's also, you know, how Ginny finds out that Harry has the book. It's how Harry finds out that ink disappears in the book. Like, I feel like that gave us a lot of information. Mm-hmm. So I think it was a miss to keep that out of the movie. Yeah. Because then that was what led him to writing in it. And then seeing it disappeared and then getting the message back. And so when he does have... The journal, he gets pulled into the flashback because it's like, oh, I can't tell you, but let me show you. Oh, ominous, like. Yeah, and we see Tom Riddle. The flashback is 50 years ago. And my point here is that they could have tried harder to make Dumbledore look younger. (laughs) He's supposed to be a whole 50 years younger, and you're telling me he still looks like that? They're like, oh, trim his beard a little, and he'll be fine. Are you kidding? I mean, objectively, wizards have extremely long lifespans, so 50 years for them truly isn't that much, because he's like 150 in Harry's time, so he would just be like, what, 100? Excuse me? <laughs> Excuse Excuse me? 150? I'm pretty sure. I'm gonna add this to my homework, but like, I'm pretty that sure. That seems absurd. I don't like that. Are you <laughs> kidding? 150? Listen, it's on my homework. I'll let you know next episode for sure, but like, I'm I'm pretty sure. That's ridiculous. Either or way. Or like, somewhere in that range. 50 years, I feel like he should be yeah, looking different. that's fair enough. But like, it's not even supposed to be Dumbledore. It's supposed to be um, Headmaster Dippet. That's true. So that's just, they just didn't want to cast another person. Yeah, they changed that, and then they changed the fact that he, for some reason is shown the body of the yeah. student who died. Like, he was not supposed to see that, but I guess in the movie they were like, oh, yeah, let's show him. let's show the kid a dead body. Like, I don't know. He's got enough trauma. What's one more? Yeah. 
Yep, it is. It is rough. Um, but Tom Riddle is in fact very sexy. I just I had that note and I felt compelled to say that out loud. Um, so and the younger us is like, oh my god. <laughs> I was like, god dang, who's that? Um, and then, you know, Hermione, um, gets petrified, but Penelope doesn't. She's, like, again, not in it whatsoever. But they find her note, Mm -hmm. um, again, the little headcanon Draco. And then Ron is, like, freaking the fuck out when they have to go follow these spiders. And you know what, King? Yeah, me too. Me too. They also leave immediately after Hagrid is taken to Azkaban, because in the book, there's this, like, weird limbo period where they are still going to classes, they're being escorted between classes, and they have to, like, be like, oh, Lockhart, like, you don't have to do anything, you know there's nothing, like, they should just let us go, and, like, you can go fix your hair and stuff, and he was like, okay, cool, and then they go follow the spiders, but they skipped all that. Yeah, there's a lot of time, like, a lot of things are just pushed together into the same day in this movie. Yeah. Also, speaking of Ron, this is gonna jump kind of back, but there's not really a good point to talk about it, I guess. Ron, obviously, is supposed to have detention just like Harry, and they don't put it in the movie, but in the book, Ron goes and polishes awards with Filch. Yeah. And in doing so, he polishes the award gifted to Tom Riddle for service to the school 50 years ago, and that is when they start piecing together that Tom Riddle was there Mm -hmm. the last time the Chamber of Secrets is opened, and because of this award, they think that he's the one who caught whoever opened the, the chamber, but because they took away that scene from Ron, we don't get that development at all. And we don't. he doesn't even get that line where he's like, oh, I've seen that name before. They completely take it away from him and delete that whole plot line. Yeah, they even give him the opposite line, which is like, I don't even think I've ever heard of a Tom Riddle. Again, this is more of them taking away Ron's contributions to their team. Mm-hmm. Well, also, why a direct contradiction to the book? Honestly, right? You could have just been like, oh, yeah, when I was in detention, I did this, and I saw the name. It would not have added any time. You didn't have to show him doing it, and he would still get the credit for yeah. recognizing it. Exactly. I 100% agree. It just does not make any sense. Yeah. But once they're in the Forbidden Forest, the car chase scene is so long unnecessarily long. Yeah. I feel like they could have used that time in other places, maybe in giving Ron the line that we just discussed. <laughs> exactly. You know? I also noted that in this chase scene that Ron is actually driving the car, which in the book, the car is the one rescuing them. Yeah, like, the exactly. car drives itself, which makes more sense because they're in a forest with trees. I've been driving for, like, six years now, seven years now. I can't do I that. could not do that. In a forest. Yeah, Are you kidding me? In reverse? There's no freaking way. Yeah, I can barely parallel park. There's he, no way. <laughs> no, he's 12. He would have hit a tree. It makes more sense to let the car drive itself and get them out of yeah. there. Especially Ron, who was freaked out and panicking over the spiders because he has a fear of them, which Rupert Grant actually also has a fear of spiders. So that whole scene, he was not acting. He was legitimately terrified. No, because if I saw Aragog, that thing is nasty. Yeah. First of all, they went so hard on that prop design, and I cannot even imagine being in in person with that thing. Yeah, no, I agree. Even the one in the ride at Universal, terrifying. When I was eight, I got stuck on that ride directly in front of Aragog. I, I think about it to this day. That was traumatizing for little me. I, <laughs> it was so bad. Just crying on I it. I did. I cried so much. Yeah. No, my, my sister did, too. When we were younger, we went on it for the first time after it had opened. Yeah. And she clinged onto me and screamed the whole time. I was like, girl. I'm pretty sure I didn't open my eyes during the Dementor scene until I was, like, maybe 14. <laughs> like, I just closed my eyes the entire time. I was like, I can't do it. <laughs> I'm out, guys. I'm out. I can't do it. <laughs> Anyways, Harry Potter. Um, well, I guess that was Harry Potter. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm getting distracted. So, 
they're back again and there's no like them hiding in a closet to tell the teachers it's just like in the hallway um where they find out that jenny's been taken uh-huh they go gilderoy whatever all of that's pretty much the same i'm yeah. pretty sure they go down into the chamber down their slide with no way back up Unless you're right, the bass looks like a cowboy. Exactly, my point stands. And um, Gilderoy grabs Ron's wand and tries to obliviate them. Obviously, the wand's broken. So in doing so, it backfires, also causes an explosion where the rocks fall and separates them. And so Ron is like, Ron and Harry are talking through the rocks. They're like, we're not going to get through. Harry's like, oh, I'm going to go on. And then Gilderoy's talking and he's like, who am I? Who are you? Blah, blah, blah. You know, like. Just being yes. a non-existent person, I guess. For sure. And so Ron, to shut him up, just picks up a rock and smacks him over the head. Wait, does he really? knocks him out. Yes, he just picks up a rock and casually smacks him over the head. Like, I didn't even notice that. Yep. That's brutal. It's so brutal. He's like, ah, look at this so funny, and just whacks him. And then just continues talking to Harry like he didn't just do that. Ron woke up that day and chose violence. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Ooh. And then in the chamber we see Tom Riddle again looking even sexier than before. Oh my god. It's just a lot better. I'm actually so sad that this actor was too old to play him in Half-Blood Prince because uh-huh. listen the actor in Half-Blood Prince did a great job but like downgrade. <laughs> He's just not as sexy. It's really disappointing. He's not as sexy. He isn't but I also did have remember um, when we talked about his little anagram how I told you that in French uh-huh. his thing is Elvis. Well I looked up uh, two more. One because I thought it was funny and the other one is Spanish just because you know you're learning Spanish so I thought I would tell you. Okay. Um, that in Spanish his name is Tom Sorvolo Riddle with a Y just okay. so it could be Soy Lord Voldemort. But in Danish, this is the funny one, his name is Romeo G. Detlev Jr. in order to spell out Jeg Air Voldemort. Interesting. <laughs> so his, his legal government name in Danish is just, hey Romeo! Romeo Jr. Romeo Jr. Hey, you know who opened the Chamber of Secrets? Romeo, Romeo. Jr. <laughs> exactly. But the scene in the chamber, again, the chase scene with the basilisk is also hella long mm-hmm. in this. Definitely building it up for the movie. Yeah. You know, giving it the action, like, oh my god, is he gonna be okay? Is like the, snake the climax of him? the film. Yeah. I get it, but it is so dramatic. <laughs> no, it definitely is. Especially when he, like climbs up the statue for some reason. He's like, yeah, this is a good choice. Honestly, I'm like, everything you could have done. No, they stand, and he stands on the head of Salazar and, like, is whacking the basilisk in the head with this sword (laughs) until he finally plunges it through the head of the snake, right? Yep. Getting the fang in his arm, and he's like, oh, you know, going back down. He's, oh, my God, the poison. And, you know, Tom's there like, yo, yeah, isn't it crazy how fast, like, the poison just, like, goes through your body from the, (laughs) the fang? And then... You know, Harry just army crawls over to Ginny's body, grabs the journal, and stabs it multiple times, and blood's just spewing (laughs) out. Which is just slightly different from the book, where Fox first heals him, and they're like, oh my god, I'm healed, and then drops the book right in Harry's lap, and then he stabs it. Carrying the scene, yeah. Yeah, so they gave Harry a lot more credit in this one. Yeah, more main character energy. Yeah, more main character. He didn't need as much help from Fox, which is more you know, entertaining in the books, because you're like, ah, Fox did all the work, but, yeah. yeah. Exactly. But then they, um, go up the chamber, Fox is carrying them, which I did notice, when they're going up in the chamber, you can see, like, the night sky up Mm -hmm. top, which means that they are not exiting the way they came, because if they were exiting the way they came, they would see, like, the bathroom ceiling. Yeah. So this 
implies that there's a second entrance slash exit to the Chamber of Secrets that's outside, which just makes everyone who searched for it look even more stupid now because they didn't just miss one entrance, they missed two. Yeah, they missed this, like, giant crack in the earth. Exactly, that like, that's off. a big hole. No, yeah. <laughs> that's what she said. Oh, God. <laughs> Anyways. You're done. They're now in Dumbledore's office. The Weasleys and Ginny just aren't there. It's just Harry, Ron, and... Is Gilderoy there in the No, movie? it's just Dumbledore. Okay, perfect. So yeah, a bunch yeah. of people are missing. But, you know, Lucius comes in with Dobby. All that stuff happens. Jason Isaacs actually improvised the best hope Potter will be here to save the day line. Uh-huh. And Daniel Radcliffe immediately heard that and improvised the don't worry, I will be line. Uh-huh. And Jason Isaacs said that, like, in that moment is when he knew that Daniel Radcliffe was an incredible actor. <laughs> so sweet. I know, right? Honestly, props to him, though, because I was a... Badass line. Oh, Don't yeah. worry, I will be yeah. king. The sass, the sassy Harry came out in that one. He channeled it. Absolutely love it. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the sock in this movie is in the diary instead of the so diary in the sock. Much better. It just makes more sense. So well, much better. Like, of course, he sees this diary, hands it to Dobby, not knowing the sock is in there. That makes sense. Then. Ew, this is a gross sock. He chucks it and it happens to land in Dobby's hands in his direction. This just makes so much more sense. So this was a choice I liked. Also, I love that scene when he's like, Master has given Dobby a sock. (laughs) It's so sweet. I love it. See, I can't, because now every time I see that, I think of the vibe that's like, Master Master has has given given Dobby a Glock. Dobby Dobby is thug. I'm so glad you the knew where I was going with that. Where you're going, I already know. It's just so much funnier. I love that audio. It's so funny. It is. Ugh. But um, little fun fact about this scene is that in the book, Lucius like lunges for Harry afterwards. Uh-huh. In the movie, he like very clearly draws his wand. Yes. And the directors had told Jason Isaacs like just start saying whatever spell you want because you're not gonna finish it or whatever. So like just say whatever spell you want. And Jason Isaacs was currently reading Goblet of Fire at this time, because it's, like, the book that had just come out, I think, or whatever. Okay. And so that's when the Unforgivable Curses are introduced. So at the time, the only spell he could think of was Avada Kedavra. So in the movie, he starts saying, Avada, before he stops, which is just really funny, because that implies that Lucius Malfoy was fully about to kill a 12-year-old in the middle of a Hogwarts hallway. (laughs) Valid, I guess. Valid. (laughs) I didn't even catch on to the fact that that's what he was saying. Like, I know I heard him start to say, like, a noise, and then he obviously gets blasted by Dobby. Yeah. My brain did not even hear about a cadaver, but it's so funny that that's what he thought of. He was like, oh yeah, let's just use that. Let's roll with it. That's the one. And they kept it. They were like, maybe choose a different one. No, they kept that. At least go with, like, Crucio or something. Go straight for a Vada Kedavra. Come on. Like, immediately, homicide. (laughs) Immediately, death. (laughs) But after that, you know, the scene where Hermione comes back to the Great Hall. So cute. I love it when they, like, peek their heads behind yes, one the, after the, the other. table. So sweet. It's adorable. And um, they run up and hug. Well, Harry and Hermione hug. And well, then Emma was supposed to hug both of them. That really? was what was in the script. But Emma was too embarrassed to hug both boys in front of everyone. <laughs> so she quickly hugged Daniel and then just went for the handshake with Rupert. Um, but the like, filmmakers decided to leave it in because they thought it would be, like, a cute little, oh, you know, thing between Ron and Hermione, mm-hmm. but they had to edit the hug with Daniel because it was so short, they had to, like, freeze a couple frames to make it look like it was longer than it actually was. So, I like it. Yeah, I and I get it. I mean, they're all 12. Yeah. You know, this was their second movie. Like, I understand, but it is, it's, a, I think it, I like the way it worked out. It was cute. I think it was a cute moment in the movie. I also like, you know, 
the standing ovation for Hagrid was really cute and obviously pretty emotional for us because it was the first time seeing Robbie on screen after learning that he had passed and he's such a big part of the franchise and a big part of what makes Hogwarts Hogwarts and just kind of seeing him and everyone just loving him was like so heartbreaking yeah the scene is is absolutely beautiful seeing it now Mm -hmm. but I'm not gonna lie before when I used to watch this scene I used to think it was really funny because a they clapped for Hagrid for like 10 minutes straight which was just so much b I didn't think Hagrid was that beloved by the entire student body I'm like like he's technically just the gamekeeper like he's not a teacher yet the only people who really have a relationship with him is Harry Ron and Hermione Mm -hmm. and then I'm like did the students even know that he was gone and sent to Azkaban did anyone even notice like the scene just was just very funny and didn't make that much sense to me but of course now Mm -hmm. seeing it now with all the context I do think the scene is beautiful and I'm very glad that that's the way that it went because it is a really good tribute that wasn't even meant to be a tribute, but it definitely feels like it now. Yeah, I agree. And that's where the movie ends. Yay, we're done with Chamber of Secrets. High five. Woo! I do have more fun facts about the movie to throw at you, though. Oh, beautiful. Before we finish. Hit me with them. So the first one is just a really funny one. Um, there was an outbreak of head lice within all the kids while they were filming this movie, so they had to bring in a bunch of nurses onto set to fix it. Were they, like, sharing hats? They just rubbing, yeah. rubbing heads together? I guess so. <laughs> Interesting. Such a weird thing to have. I guess it makes sense because, like, the age range, like, they're yeah. very susceptible to those things. Like, it, gross. Yeah. <laughs> um, the next fun fact is that the Crab and Goyle actors actually cut their mouths on the hooks that, like, the cupcakes were hanging oh. on when they were filming that scene. So I just thought that was a little funny one. Um, this is the second shortest book, but it's the longest movie, which is just crazy to me yeah interesting choice um the filmmakers destroyed 14 different ford anglias while filming the whomping willow scene yeah 14 one four i just (laughs) why (laughs) just why i know the fact that they made so many (laughs) then yeah and then destroyed 14 in the one scene yeah that's so unnecessary i know right (laughs) i thought that was also a ridiculous number um, the next one is that Hugh Grant was actually originally cast to play Gilderoy Lockhart. Interesting. Yep. So I don't know what, I, obviously, I, I know who Hugh Grant is. I can't picture him during the era that you know, this was filmed, but I know that when he was younger, he was very attractive. Yeah. Like, his floppy brown hair, like, he, he was doing it. Could he have pulled off the, the blonde? blonde though? Yeah. That is the question. I really couldn't tell you. I feel like blonde... Like, I feel like many people can look good as a brunette, but I feel like blonde is a more specific one, so I don't... Yeah. I really couldn't tell you. Yeah. I hate to say it, because, like, you know, actor's great, whatever. But Gilderoy just didn't do it for me. He's supposed no. to be this, like, blonde heartthrob that everyone's in love with, and I looked at him like, why is everyone obsessed with him? Make yeah. no sense. The guy who ended up playing Gilderoy is actually Kenneth Braun, I think is how you say it, and uh-huh. he directed the first Thor movie. Really? Yeah. So he directed the worst one. Uh, I mean, you know what? <laughs> yes. Yes, he did. I mean, no disrespect, but objectively, yeah, it was the worst he one. He is. And then actually, this is some tea for you. Um, okay, he, I love the tea. He was actually, I cannot remember if it's married or dating or whatever, but he was like with um, Emma Thompson, who played Trelawney. Trelawney. Okay. But they like stopped being together. Again, I don't know if it was divorced, separated, whatever it was, okay, but they stopped being together because he had an affair with... Um, Helena Bonham Carter, who played Bellatrix. Oh, 
Mm, keeping it in the family, <laughs> I guess. Keeping it in like in the, the Harry HP Potter family. family. That's so awkward. I mean, luckily, like Lockhart was gone after this one before like the rest of them were really on set and stuff. Yeah. So I guess that's good in that sense, but like really awkward because yeah. obviously Trelawney and Bellatrix. Bellatrix were on set at the same time yeah. in the future. So yeah, that's just some tea for you. Interesting. And then um, I'm going to throw a couple of Jason, I- Jason Isaac fun facts at you because he really did carry this movie. Valid. Um, number one, he improvised kicking Dobby downstairs. <laughs> Aggressive. Yeah, but it, I think it's funny. Like, imagine him pitching it and be like, guys, great idea. I just kicked the absolute shit out of Dobby. <laughs> and they went, yes. <laughs> um, number two, he's the one who decided Lucia should have long flowing locks. In the books, it's never described what uh-huh. kind of hair he has, so he was the one who was like, he should have long hair, mostly to differentiate from Draco. Or maybe because he was a fan of Game of Thrones. He wanted to be a Targaryen. Was that a thing in when this movie was made? <laughs> I don't think Game of Thrones was airing at this point. Are you sure? I'm Wait. pretty sure. <laughs> when, when did the first season of Game of Thrones start? I'm not gonna lie, I don't think it's, I don't think it's before this. Oh, shit. <laughs> when was it? 2011. Oh my god, yeah, definitely not. I was way off. <laughs> he could have read the books then. Okay. The books were out, so he was, he was a fan, okay? All right, whatever you want to say. Oh, and my next one's actually about the Avada Kedavra, I already said that, so never mind. Um, but another one is that at this point, um, obviously the rest of the books weren't, um, out yet, like, not definitely not like five six or seven so they didn't know that the chamber of secrets was going to return in uh-huh. deathly hollow so they just like completely tore up the set and everything and then when the seventh book came out they had to completely rebuild it from scratch i'd be so mad. looking at this movie trying to <laughs> recreate be it so frustrating like i have to make the set again <laughs> especially like that one is so so detailed and like specific yeah they had to get that shit right otherwise they'd have two bitches on a podcast pointing out every mistake they made <laughs> They would. (laughs) And then my last one is actually a fun fact about a plot hole we had mentioned in an earlier episode. Okay. Okay, well, it turns out J.K. Rowling um, fixed it or tried to. Uh, Corvinus Gaunt is the one who is credited with saving the Chamber of Secrets. He was present around the time that the bathrooms were being built to install were being installed in Hogwarts, so he protected the secret of the Chamber of Secrets and made sure that a new entrance was put in place once the magical construction was done, because the old entrance was just, like, a trap door. Okay. So he's the one who ensured that the new entrance was put in the bathroom, oh. and etc. Oh, look at JK, fix up those plot holes. A few of them. <laughs> Others. Oh, that one. Others stay, yeah, we'll that, that one, one specific We'll one. give her that one and the werewolf one. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate it, though, because obviously it was kind of like a oversight at the time. Yeah. But, if, I mean, Corbin is Gaunt. We know the Gaunts are direct descendants of Salazar Slytherin, so that was a good, like, you know, obviously he would know about it, and a it good, makes sense that he would be the one. to do it, yeah. Yep. And that's all the fun facts I have to throw at you. Yay! Time for some jokes. It is time for some jokes. Time for some jokes. You can go ahead, Miss Ma'am. Okay. Mine's on a question and answer, so I won't be asking you anything. Okay. Um, okay. All the wizards had a fondness for the student who could do Expelliarmus. He was just so disarming. But 
Is that is that like a play on charming or disarming? Did I say charming? No, I'm just asking. Is that supposed to be like a play on that he was so charming? Or? Expelling our message is a disarming charm. Right, but if I tell you you're disarming, how does that... Is that a compliment? I would... <laughs> I understand the connection to Expelliarmus. Oh. I'm asking what's the connection to him being dis- I don't know. Maybe he's just like, he knows Expelliarmus. <laughs> okay. <laughs> First I don't know. I guess a disarming person is like someone that you feel comfortable with and like- Okay. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. I'll give you that. I'll give you that. Thank Sorry. You. I was just confused for a second. I was like, wait, I don't- <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> I thought it was funny because these small garbage things. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, mine is a question. Okay, valid. I get so nervous doing these because you consistently win the polls. It's because I'm really funny. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, I think this one's good. I'm actually kind of proud of this one. Okay. <clears throat> what medicine does Harry take for his rash? I don't know. Something related to rashes. Quit itch. Okay, all right. That was a good one. I liked it. Thank I liked you. it. Okay. Thank you. I very much liked it, too. Yes. <laughs> also, now that you've heard the jokes, make sure you go to our Instagram. We usually post the poll, like, two days after the episode airs, so you guys have time to listen, and then go vote for the best joke. Not that we're keeping track, but, like, I've won, like, every <sighs> single poll except for one, maybe, I think? I've won two, I think. Oh, two. Sorry. <laughs> Put some respect on my name. No. <laughs> So yeah, head over to the Instagram and vote if you listen to it in time. <laughs> but that is all that we have this week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Next episode, we will be discussing Slytherin House Woo-hoo! and having another special guest. So make sure you tune in for that. Make sure you also follow us online. Our Twitter is at SlytherClawRev, and our Instagram is at SlytherClawReview. And of course, if you can, make sure you leave a rating, a comment, a review, tell your friends if you enjoy this podcast. All of this really helps us immensely, and we really, really appreciate it so much. Until Until next time. time!